It's Saturday, August the 22nd, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Turkey's startling gas discovery and a made-in-China complaint. First, the week in brief. Turkey's President Recep Tayyip Erdogan announced the discovery of 320 billion cubic meters of gas in the Black Sea. It is welcome news for his country in tense times. Turkey has been in the grip of a currency and foreign exchange crisis exacerbated by Mr. Erdogan's policies, while also butting heads with Greece over oil and gas exploration in the Mediterranean. Hong Kong said it would challenge American rules obliging it to label its exports as made in China at the World Trade Organization. Last month, President Donald Trump said America would no longer treat Hong Kong as a separate entity from the mainland, citing a new security law imposed by the government in Beijing. The territory joined the WTO in its own right in 1995, six years before the People's Republic. South Korean police executed a search warrant for membership lists of a church at the heart of the country's latest outbreak of COVID-19. Two waves of infection have been linked to religious groups. In the recent outbreak, more than 700 members of the church have tested positive, including its leader. Church members accuse the government of faking the results. Russian authorities allowed Alexei Navalny, Vladimir Putin's most significant opponent, to be flown to Germany for medical attention. He had collapsed suddenly on Thursday. His followers believe he was poisoned. Initially, Russian doctors said he was suffering from a metabolic disease and too weak to be moved. A special flight is bringing him to a hospital in Berlin. British government debt rose above £2 trillion, $2.6 trillion for the first time, thanks to spending linked to the pandemic, such as a job-protecting furlough scheme. The figure exceeds the likely annual value of Britain's production of goods and services. This may strengthen the government's resolve to reduce its support for the economy. The furlough scheme is due to be unwound by October. Both the United Nations-recognized Libyan government in Tripoli and the opposition government based in the east of the country called for a ceasefire and the demilitarization of the city of Sirte. The country has been roiled by fighting since 2011, but the chaos has worsened recently. It has also drawn outside powers into a proxy conflict. Wildfires in California overwhelmed the state's ability to mount a defense. Governor Gavin Newsom has already called in firefighting help from other American states and requested more from Canada and Australia too. Sparked by 12,000 lightning strikes, more than 500 fires have created hazardous breathing conditions on the West Coast and sent smoke rolling as far as Nebraska to the east. And editor's note. In the Climate Issue newsletter, we offer the best of our writing on climate change, the environment and sustainability. Sign up to receive it every fortnight. www.economist.com forward slash the climate issue. And now, here's today's agenda. AC Nouveau Riche v Tradition FC, the Champions League. A French club, Paris Saint-Germain, will play a German giant, Bayern Munich, in the Champions League final in Lisbon on Sunday. Both clubs enjoy unhealthy supremacy at home. Between them, they have won 15 of the past 16 domestic titles. 
But whereas the German club also boasts five European Cups, this is PSG's first appearance in the final. Their ownerships offer an even bigger contrast. Like almost all German clubs, Bayern is majority owned by its fans, a system considered helpful for keeping clubs solvent and tied to their communities. The Qatari royal family bought a controlling stake in PSG in 2011. The club's lavish spending has enabled its domestic dominance. It has also bent European football's governing body UEFA to its will after appearing to break financial fair play rules in 2017. PSG's owners see this final as the culmination of their decade-long rise. Neutrals are likely to root for their opponents. Blowing her own horn, Nubia Garcia and British Jazz Jazz may be the ultimate American art form emerging from the early African-American traditions of blues and ragtime, but lately it has been thriving in London. Nubia Garcia, a Camden-based saxophonist who released her debut album, Source, yesterday, is part of this resurgence. As the British-born daughter of a Guyanese mother and a Trinidadian father, she says Source is about my heritage and my ancestry. The 28-year-old infuses her tracks with a blend of soft calypso, hip-hop and soul, evocative of the Afro-Caribbean experience. Earlier this summer, she gave a powerful solo performance in a damp field at Glastonbury, a herd of cows being the only audience physically present in the age of Covid. It was a striking expression of modern Britain. Despite the shutdown of live music, the London jazz scene seems to be going from strength to strength. As Ms Garcia says, this kind of feels like just the beginning. At half-mast, Netflix nixes Patriot Act. Talk shows were never Netflix's strong suit, but Hassan Minaj's series was a rare exception. The comedian's Patriot Act was lauded by critics and audiences alike, scoring both an Emmy and a Peabody Award in 2019. So fans were surprised and disheartened this week to learn that the programme was being scrapped after just two years. The first Indian-American to host a weekly American talk show, Mr Minaj explained cultural and political issues with a healthy dose of energetic incredulity. Not everyone found the programme funny, however. In Saudi Arabia, Netflix complied with a government request to remove an episode in which Mr Minaj lambasted the kingdom's officials after the murder of Jamal Khashoggi, a journalist and critic of the royal family. The company has not given a reason for the show's cancellation. Mr Minaj's fans are asking it to reconsider, stressing the need for his commentary in the months leading up to November's election. Conservative Party, Reaganland By 1976, Ronald Reagan's political career looked to have ended in failure. He had lost the Republican presidential nomination and many deemed him too old to run again. Rick Perlstein's new book, Reaganland, tells the story of Reagan's comeback and his victory in the election of 1980. At more than 1,000 pages, the book is not just a chronicle of the 40th president's rise to power, it is also an exhaustive history of America in the late 1970s, a time, in Mr. Perlstein's words, of crisis upon crisis. Reaganland is the fourth and final volume in Mr. Perlstein's history of modern American conservatism. It began in 2001 with Before the Storm, the story of Barry Goldwater's presidential campaign, and continued with books about the rise and fall of Richard Nixon. 
By ending with the Republicans' triumph in 1980, the series bows out at an event Mr Perlstein considers to be conservatism's high watermark. Wobbly walks, phones that sense drunkenness. Alcohol guidelines based on inscrutable units of booze cannot allow for body type. And without personal breathalyzers, people may not know they are over legal limits. Now, work in the Journal of Studies on Alcohol and Drugs shows how smartphones could prevent drink driving. Most smartphones have built-in accelerometers for the Compass app, the switching of screen orientation and more. These gizmos can be co-opted to measure the telltale totter in the tippler's tread. 22 people imbibed vodka drinks to bring their breath alcohol concentrations to 0.2%. As they sobered up, they did walking tests with smartphones strapped to their lower backs. By sensing gait impairments, the phones could tell 9 times out of 10 when breath alcohol exceeded 0.08%, the American legal driving limit. The next step will be to adapt the technology for pocket carrying. The authors hope that soon people's phones will alert them when it is unsafe to drive. Finally, here's the quote of the day from John Lee Hooker, who was born on this day in 1917. I don't think about time. You're here when you're here. I think about today, staying in tune. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.